The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Listen, you come to town, I want to give you your first lesson. My folks had a house in Fire Island, and there's a whole different type of jujitsu that goes on out there. So, Jimmy uh, does that. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy does. Jimmy's a fucking red belt. It's where you don't tap when you're being choked. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Um, we have an interesting guest today, too. We're going to start right with our guest because he is in the waiting room. And we always hate to make a guy wait. Um, I love when we have friends on. When two of my friends meet a uh, comedian who's really, really great, uh, Andrew Schultz. He has a special on Netflix called Schultz Saves America. It was a four-part special. Not traditional stand-up. But he's very, very good, um, not just at uh, doing Instagram, but uh, it's, it's, he's like he's doing his own talk show on Instagram, and it's really great. Um, I'm not sure if he could hear us yet. Andrew, can you hear us? I can hear you, man. How you doing, boys? Hi, buddy. How are you? Nice to meet you, bro. I love your, I love your setup. Thank you, man. This is the, the new Miami studio. Check it out. I wow. guess you can't really see it that much. Yeah, yeah. Are yeah, you in yeah. Miami? Yeah, we moved down here for a few months. It's a nice life, right? Just to say, fuck it. I'm going to go to Miami for a few months and, and broadcast for, in the warm weather. That, that's a nice thing to do. Bro, it's good to be rich. Did you know that? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, listen, I'm just finding out about this, but it's kind of sick when you're rich, Jim. <laughs> no, I don't know, unfortunately. <laughs> Jimmy, I see your I've boy. seen your house. That's lies, Jim. I've seen your house. You got some money. I seen it too. It's true. Let me ask you about that Joker in your. The, 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 oh the, yeah, man. Did you like the movie or? Yeah, the movie was sick. But honestly, it was just like uh, we're in this uh, space called Ampersand Studios down here, and uh, there's there's this like art dealer that just has a lot of this art around the space. And we oh. walked and we just saw it, and we were like, "Can we put that in the studio?" And he was oh. like, "Yeah, sure." So we have this one. We have this other one. It looks like we commissioned these. They didn't. They could leave at any point in time, but. Uh, <laughs> For the meantime, yeah, we got some sick guard in the studio. It looks cool, man. Yeah. Cool. And, yeah. And, uh, the only thing we paid for is the uh, wallpaper from Amazon. You bought the wallpaper. We bought the wallpaper. 
Well, Jimmy's oh, yeah. going to compliment you on your microphone in a second because he's. I a- will. I, I always compliment Andrew, but Andrew, I'm not surprised. I mean, he has a professional studio. He's like a he's like a mogul. He does his own shit. So, but when when other guests have a good mic, I'm surprised. But with Andrew, I kind of expect it. We had to come correct, man. We had to come correct. All right. I'm very excited to be on this show. I've been watching you guys do this for a while now, so uh, it, it's cool to finally be here. And I see you've been hanging out with Anthony Cumia. I guess. What am I I'm looking not- in your lap? Wait, <laughs> oh, God. I said golden AK. I don't know what the fuck. Oh, Wait, guys, the compound? I, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, it's nice being rich. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jimmy, your friend, he's saying he I'll tell you, you're one of those comedians. That Netflix special must have really took off. Yeah, going to change things. I just decided to get things in gold, you know, before I wouldn't <laughs> get them in gold. But then when you're rich, you just get things in gold, guys. It's great. You know, it's funny, man. I, I performed in Iraq with uh, Colin Quinn and Lori Kilmartin back at the end of 2003, going into 2004. And mm-hmm. these Green Berets took us into one of Saddam Hussein's, like they took us to a place where they had all of his weapons stored. Okay. And one of the things they showed us was a gold gun that he had gold, like gold, uh, weird gold shit. I have a picture of a gold gun. I think pointed in my mouth. Lori Kilmartin is holding one of Saddam Hussein's real gold guns uh, pointed in my mouth. It was a lovely trip. I love it. Of course. It was a lovely trip. Did they find any uh, weapons of mass destruction in there? We did not. No, Um, we did not. The worst part of being in Iraq was trying to shit because your (laughs) knees are poking through the military shitting in a military installation is horrible because there's these leather things that hang in front of you and your knees poke through the like They don't want you to be too comfortable on the toilet. They want you in and out. That, that does make sense because that is our little private time. I could see them doing that on purpose. Yeah. So you can't whack off or you can't spend too much time reading. Like they just want you to get in and get the fuck back on the field. Um, What, what made you go to Florida? Like, was it weather or was it just cheaper down there? Like for studio space? No, I mean, because I still got my studio back up in Brooklyn. So I'm like basically just paying double right now. But uh, I couldn't do any stand up in New York. Oh, you right. know, so like I want to get back out and I want to start doing stand up. And, uh, you know, we can't live. A, it's really hard to live life back in New York. I mean, there was you know, you can't eat outside because it's too cold. And, you know, they said you can't eat inside because they're fucking idiots. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. And uh, so you just ruined, you basically quarantined us again. We're right back to quarantine and we're very fortunate. Obviously I'm busting balls about being rich or whatever like that, but like, we're very fortunate where like we had, you did the Netflix special. We had a couple bucks and we could afford to move for not everybody can, but we said, let's go down here for a few months. And all of our wives or girlfriends were doing work on zoom. 
So they were able to move. It was just this like, I've, I've my guys with me, right? And Mark, Alex and Akash, and we do the podcast and everything. So it was a bunch of us that moved down. There's eight of us that had to move. So it was a big undertaking, wow. but we said, fuck it. We'll do it for three months. And if we like it, we enjoy it. We'll make it happen. But and I mean, you were, I'm sorry, you were here in New York. That's where you were situated. Yeah. I'm born and raised in Manhattan. Oh shit, man. Yeah, yeah. So I lived in New York my whole life and uh, I would have never imagined leaving New York. But the second you shut everything down is you stop us, you know, from being able to make a living, you know, like we're comics at the end of the day. This COVID thing, this fucked every, I mean, listen, even the martial arts community, I mean, it, it took my team hook, took a hit. I mean, who's moving to Weidman's in South Carolina? Aljo's got a thing in Vegas. It just, this thing hit everybody. Yeah. I mean, look at you. You're over there in Miami. Rogan went to Texas. Yeah. Scattered. People yeah. are going to leave, man. People are going to leave. That's what's going to happen. It's, it's, I already see it happen. I see more people going to Texas following Rogan. People are following us down here to Miami. Like, it's just what's going to happen. These fucking idiots in New York really just don't get it. I'm telling you, they but, don't get it. Let, let me ask you only because I love, I love meeting comedians and I'm really, because I'm fascinated. I love comedy, you know, good comedy, you know. What, what made you, when you, when you were like a funny kid in high school and then, you just said, all right, I'm going to try an open mic one night. Or how did that work out? How I would have never know? tried it. I, I think I had too much respect for it to like say, I'm going to go up there and be funny. Like, okay. I, I don't know. I felt like that'd be like a douchey thing to do. But I was managing a restaurant while I was going to school in, in California and uh, UC Santa Barbara. And I was managing this restaurant and they just happened to have a comedy night. And I always loved stand up. I mean, like wow. I, was, I I got duped into buying the uh, the Def Comedy Jam cassettes. Do you remember those? Remember, I remember like the Def Comedy Jam? Yeah, I remember the show. They, they used to sell you these VHS cassettes, and they'd give you one every month, right? So somehow I tricked my parents so like, into like ordering them. So we just get a new one every month, and it was just a hamburger. It was just every single one. Yeah. You hamburger, hamburger, <laughs> right? Which, which gets funnier and funnier the yeah. longer it goes. So, uh, it, and it was just like I was obsessed, man, and. Uh, I was managing this restaurant. They had a comedy night and the guys saw that I was really interested. They're like, do you want to try it? And I was like, oh, I don't know, man. I got a lot of respect for what you guys do. And I don't I mean, they're like, why don't you just try it? And um, I went up there and tried. Little did I know that they were basically kind of like using me as like a bringer. I'm very grateful. Don't get me wrong. But they're basically like, oh, this kid, he might have some friends who go to school. Maybe we'll get some out, some people out to these shows, et cetera. And, um, and they let me go up on stage. And, you know, obviously I, I fucking stunk. And, but, uh, no, I, you know what? It was interesting. I like, I didn't have any jokes, but I did like, well, my like second time, like I kind of understood like, uh, the crowd, I don't know for whatever reason it is, I had a cool control of it early, even though the jokes sucked, I was still able to kind of like get through it. And, uh, I was like, wow, I really enjoy this. This is, this is, this is a lot of fun. And I think that it will take a long time to get good at. And that's something that I like, it will like keep my interest. You know what I mean? Did you, have, did you have any bits when you first went up? Did you have a, you written something bad or, or did you just wing it? I mean, you had to have something. No, 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 no. I, I, I had jokes. I mean, they stunk, but, uh, <laughs> I, I remember one of your earliest jokes, one of your first jokes. Do you remember? I remember the first, I remember the first joke I ever did that, that did well consistently. Okay. What was it? It is. Okay. This was the joke and I'm sure other comics have done jokes that are similar to this, but this is me fucking two weeks into comedy. Uh, uh, I love it when a girl talks dirty. I just hate it when she says the same thing over and over again. Like, no, that's funny. <laughs> Misdirection. You think you're going one way, and then it, it, and then that's it. And people are like, oh. 
<laughs> oh I'll tell you right now, that'll do really well at like colleges now. You should do that when you tour. Yeah, right. <laughs> it'll do fucking terrible. Oh, that'd be out front with pitchforks. But yeah, some basic misdirection jokes are just mean and horrible because they think you're going one way and then the and direction so you go good. is just like a sledgehammer. It doesn't exactly. And it was like, it's just learning like the fundamentals of, of jokes. You know, it's not something it's so weird comedy. Like, unless you're like a big comedy fan in terms of structure. You know, like I didn't grow up. This is actually I didn't grow up watching a lot of like uh, traditional like white comedy. Right. So a lot of the comedy I grew up was like deaf comedy jam and then like the kings of comedy. And they all seemed like they were riffing. Right. Yeah. Right. If I was watching like Seinfeld, I never watched Seinfeld. Like I did. Honestly, I've seen Seinfeld maybe recently a few episodes, but like I didn't get the idea of like a but um type of joke until like much later on. So for me, I just thought they were kind of riffing and I was like, okay, you got to have some stories and obviously some, you know, misdirection or something. But I, I, it wasn't until later on that I really like understood the craft of like joke writing and seeing guys, obviously like uh, a tell, like the real kind of like a misdirecty yep. like joke slingers that I really started to be like, Oh, that's a skill I need to learn and try to incorporate into whatever style I do. You know what I'm saying? Can I ask you yeah. guys both a question, guys? This is sure. for two comedians. And you got to be honest. Don't think okay. about, oh, all the old comedians are going to out me if I don't like this guy. God forbid. Andy Kaufman. If I go to see Andy Kaufman and the guy's singing songs and handing out cookies, I'm fucking turning over tables. What the <laughs> fuck? Oh, he's an artist. What the fuck? What is he talking about? Oh, it's an eight. And the cow goes moo. Go fuck yourself. I yeah. mean, only because he's dead early, people are like, oh my, oh my goodness. It's not the most, I understand why people would be very disappointed if they went and saw it, but he did do some really funny shit. He was just more like, I mean, it, much, much more performance art than it was traditional standup. Yeah. And a lot of it does make me laugh because it took you off guard completely. Like him and Bob Zamuda. I remember watching those specials when I was a kid and he'd be arguing with a heckler and you had no idea that he was actually friends with the heckler and it was a part of it. So you're yeah. watching this comedian fight with a heckler. Oh, see, that's funny. Yeah, he was like a weird, but he was genuine. Like it wasn't fake. Like he didn't do it just to make people like he, that was what he thought was funny. So at least he was be like, there was a story one time like he went on stage in New York and he just fucking took a sleeping bag on stage and went to sleep. And it's like such an asshole thing to do, but he <laughs> thought that was really funny to do on stage. And I can respect it because he, for him, it was genuine. It wasn't bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a lot about him to be honest with you. Obviously I've seen like the movie and stuff and, but uh, my assumption is that like, usually as comics, we like make fun of institutions, right? And then sometimes comedy becomes an institution. So then there are comics that make fun of the institution that is comedy. Yeah. So if everybody's trying to be funny and then he tries to not be funny, oftentimes that's funny. So he's really a reflection of like how popular comedy became, right? If comedy wasn't popular, you can't have a Kaufman, right? But I guess right. comedy at that time was just so fucking popular that it was funny to make fun of comedy or it was funny to not be funny. It's not my cup of tea. I agree with you. I don't know if I'd toss tables. You and I have different skill sets when it comes to fighting. <laughs> but uh, but but I can see what he's going for. I kind of I'm like whatever with the alt stuff, to be honest with you, because yeah. in my opinion, you got to prove that you can actually do it before you make fun of it. I think there's a lot of these people who are like, I'm just going to make fun of comedy. I'm like, well, I need to see you kill for five minutes before you're going to make fun of people who can kill for five minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was a very uh, it was a, and then fuck it. He committed to it like there was a uh, Tony Clifton, Tony Clifton, yeah, yeah. that fucking awful fat character yeah. that he did, who was like a yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, but he really committed to it. And he would just yeah, get people yeah. infuriated. But when yeah. you watch it, it's like, that's a funny dude, man. So he was funny. I mean, ultimate commitment. He got cancer. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Right. He died of cancer. And Lung cancer. What's that? Lung Wait, cancer. And he didn't smoke outside of being the character Tony Clifton. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, man, maybe it was lung cancer. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, maybe that was that was actually part of the bit. He's like, well, I, I got to do this and die. It's a part of it. It's got to happen. Good. That that is actually I never thought of it like that. <laughs> and you, dude, you're a. I, I love that Israel Adesanya loves you. I, I oh, can dude. tell how much Israel Adesanya loves you. Um, and that because I love him too, and that that really makes me happy. Dude, he's the best man. He's been like the the coolest dude, even before. Right, he was just a big fan and supporter of the podcast that we we're doing. Brilliant yeah. idiot with Charlemagne. He listened flagrant too as well, and like. uh I don't know. He, we would just get to talking and he was telling me what he was going to do in MMA. And this is before he decided to like go out there and fucking do it. And it's just been amazing to watch him become the force that he is like, ah, uh, it's just so, you know, what's the coolest part about it. And I, I'm curious your guys perspective. You guys know the sport way better than I do, but um, obviously this guy transitions from, uh, you know, kickboxing, right? And I feel like when you make that transition to MMA, there's going to be insecurity, right? You're going against like elite level wrestlers and grapplers that you never went up against when you're just doing traditional kickboxing. But lately, it almost feels like he's got this new level of confidence. He's like, no, no, I can defend myself against them. The earlier fights, it seemed like it was on, in, it was on his mind a little bit. He was like, but what if I get taken down? Or what if they get my back? Or what if? And now he's like, I know how, I, I'm good here. I got this because what he's been doing lately has been unbelievable. Well, you've seen him training with training with Galval, Andre Galval in San Diego. Is that the guy uh, he was? Um, where is he? Somewhere where it's sunny. Those Brazilians hate the cold anyway. But I remember <laughs> I seen him at Atos and uh, Academy. And I think he just got his purple belt. I'm pretty sure. But I seen him rolling around with mm. Galval, who's a very who's one of the best grapplers on the planet. So he's, you know, he's definitely, I seen him in his fights too, like go for um, in Amari roles type of thing. He's, I never looked at him as a guy. I was surprised when I heard he was a, a pure kickboxer, like before right. this, like, but let me ask you something. How did you get involved before he got in the UFC? How'd you even get hooked up? Um, he was, he was just listening to the podcast, you know, and uh, yeah, he was just, uh, you know, I guess he was, he was a fan of Charlemagne and the breakfast club. And then he listened to the brilliant idiots and he started listening to flagrant too. And then uh, I don't know, we just kind of like linked maybe it was social media probably. And I just saw some guy who I really thought got it. Like some of the new age athletes, they understand the value of social media, you know, yeah. and like how it can really help promote them and really change their lives, you know? And uh, I felt like he really got it. And we were both kind of coming up at the same time in a way. You know, I was getting some success in comedy as he was getting some success in MMA. And uh, I don't know, I guess our paths were kind of aligned in that way. So it was cool. But he's just the realest dude, man. Like, he's just the coolest motherfucker. Yeah, man, just confidence. Funny. He has a reason to have it, too, man, because he's so... Uh, like, he has way more power. I always say this, but he's a lot more power than people give him credit for. When he dropped Brunson, who is yeah. not easy to knock out, or Whitaker, uh, yeah. Costa. Like, he, he's really done damage to these guys who 
uh, no one expects to go down. Uh, so I, I think yeah. people kind of sleep on how how much power he actually has besides speed. And he's great with distance. He's also has a lot more power than he gets credit for. Yeah, it's it was weird because like that Gastelum fight, right? Yep. Such a war. And in a way, it was great because it was one of the most entertaining fights in history, right? And it's great to see somebody in a war so you know that he has that gear. But I think most people would probably agree that the guys that he's fought after Gastelum are better fighters and he's just demolished them. So why do you guys think that that Gastelum fight was so tricky? Well, look at how many times Gastelum got finished besides why I've been submitting him. I mean, guys, people bring a different skill set. Even if they're a better fighter, they bring a different skill set to the table. And one of his um, strongest um, skills, you could say, is, is his um, durability. He's a durable mm. guy, Gaslin. I mm. know. Uh, I know. Jack Hermanson caught him in a heel hook, but how often do you see Kevin Gaslin getting KO'd? I'm, you look on his record. I don't think he ever did get KO'd. Uh, maybe I'm check. I don't. He's a durable, durable guy. Wyman's a bigger dude, and Wyman literally had to strangle him down there, and he kept <laughs> trying to get up, and he and he almost he put Wyman down with a left hand. So right. Yes. So I mean. He's a durable, durable guy. So, and he's a little stocky guy. I know what it's like to be the shorter guy in there. Yeah, they put yeah, you yeah. down at you where he's not going to have that with Jan uh, Blahovic. Yeah. So I, I actually haven't picked to win versus, versus Jan. And I like now, Jan. He's a powerful Polish man, but yeah, you know, precision. But yeah, it seems like it could be an easy fight for Izzy, right? Yeah. Because uh, Jan's going to stand in oh, front of him. Oh. Yeah. Big target, man. Big target, accurate striker who's been in there with world-class strikers. Yeah. So I, I, I'm telling you, I mean, but it's, it is, you know, what's really makes it exciting is that, um, you know, Izzy could land a few and he could be out striking him, but it's almost like Derek Lewis versus Volkov, Volkov where, uh, yeah. you know, one shot could make a huge difference. You know what I mean? So it's going to yeah. be one of those edge of the seat ones. You know what I mean? I think he could have, I don't think Jan Blahovic is an easy fight at all. Um, you know, when you look at what he did to Dominic Reyes, uh, his name is, doesn't ring out the way like John Jones or other guys do in, in, in that division. But I think he's a lot more dangerous than people think. He's tremendous on the ground, very strong. Um, the last thing you want to do is get pressed up against the cage by that guy. Uh, he's mm. a vicious uppercut. Uh, I mean, obviously, Adesanya is smart. Like, he knows how to avoid that shit and, you know, yeah. and couldn't get to him. So Fast, smart, footwork. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I think it's going to bring the best. You're going to see some Matrix shit out of Adesanya. Yeah, I agree, man. That's what I think. I, I, I agree, man. I think that was, the, that was the thing about Gastelum that was so impressive is his ability to close distance against a guy like Izzy. Yeah. Like, Gastelum had this weird thing. I was talking to Izzy, like, literally right afterward. And and uh, I was like, dude, he does this little hop in when he throws. He does this weird like little hop when he's throwing. I think what is Gaslam's conventional or is he southpaw? He's I orthodox. Mean, I, I, I'm feeling southpaw. But yeah, I, I think I, he's I, lefty. Southpaw. And I was like, he does a little kind of hop to close the distance. And I literally in midway through the sentence, he's like, it's the hop, right? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. We didn't see the hop coming. We didn't understand where it was. And it does let him get in there. And he's sneaky with the fucking head movement. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I think that obviously Jan has that lights out, give you a nap power. I just don't see him touching Izzy. I just see Izzy creating that distance, especially with the leg kicks. And uh, I don't know, man. It's hard to bet against him now, man. Yeah, it, it's very hard. See, these are the fights, though. Like whenever it's a guy like a Blahovich that everybody kind of looks past because yeah. he doesn't have the name of a John. Jones. Like a lot of people look past him against Dominic Reyes. 
Um, and again, Adesanya could beat him. And I don't think Adesanya is foolish enough to look past him because mm. he's going up in weight. I think the reason why people maybe look past with Dominic Reyes is nobody ever seen Reyes lose. They only saw him lose with John Jones. Everybody thought he won that match. That's true. So I think he won that fight too. You've never seen a guy be, take a beating or even like like lose a fight. Right. I mean, technically he did with Jones, but people, everybody, a lot of people thought he won. Yeah. Meanwhile, you saw Jan get stopped before. Yeah. So that's like That's one of those things that's in your head where you've never seen this guy get hurt. You've seen this guy get hurt. Yeah. So, I mean, that might be in the back of your head. Yeah. You know. I got a question. Yeah. I got a question for you guys. Why do you think, and is it credit to Dana? I don't, I don't know who we give credit to, but why do you think that the UFC has done such an unbelievable job of marketing and boxing has done absolutely nothing now that Mayweather has, lo- has left the sport? Maybe Tyson Fury's been able to like create a little bit of interest, Deontay Wilder, but like, why has the UFC been able to get casual fans interested in fighters who have eight, 10 losses. It's almost like the record doesn't matter. It's almost like a personality war or something like that. Well, that that's true. I, well, if you look, how long have you been watching for Andrew? I probably, I mean, I'm like a newer fan. I think I was like the most casual years back, obviously when, you know, Chuck Liddell was fighting, you know, there was definitely some interest there, but I didn't really know anything about the grappling side or jujitsu side. I'm like a huge boxing fan. Like I grew up as like a big boxing fan. I used to box a little bit. Like my dad used to cover the sport. He'd go to Ali's camp all the time and shit like that. So I'm a, I came in as like a striking fan and as MMA seemed to shift into like more of a striking sport that it kind of is now, it almost seems like the, the, there's a lot more on the feet action than like maybe the earlier stages. Um, I think that I was, I was kind of really attracted to it. And then once I saw the personalities and how they really used, used to the personalities to draw people in, I was like, all right, they got it. They figured this thing out. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's several reasons. One, the sport itself is just, it's so exciting where if you look at boxing, you look at a main event, you know, guys could be in the, you know, out gambling or whatever it is, at least the way it used to be. And now everything's weird. And then they'd come in for the main event, no matter who it is. The prelims were the prelims, but who really gave a shit? Well, unless you're a purist. This is sometimes. I mean, no, this is what I see. You this know? Is, I'm, I'm a, what you're about to say, I think, is is something that I, I feel. But go on, go on, go on. But the UFC, if I watch a UFC, like, look, there's a UFC on Saturday. That's a card that I was just looking at, which we're going to talk later, or even when you're on. Right. And I'm just looking at that card. Yeah. And dude, I'm gonna. I want to watch the early prelims. Yeah, I yeah. Watch, it's yeah. tremendous. I want to watch yeah. every fucking. <laughs> yeah. I want to watch every fucking fight on there. Yeah, I'm looking on this goddamn thing, and I swear to God, I'm looking on the prelims. I see Jim Miller versus Bobby Green at fucking five. I'm, I'm watching that. Yeah, like they, you want to watch every fight, so it's like, you know. And then there's the main event, and it's like, oh, I got this one versus this one still. I don't know. There's the there's the and the UFC the way they the production. It, it, they do it very well. They get you amped up. And another thing that gets you drawn in, and again, I started in 2001 when Zufa had just one show prior. They took over for the old bosses. And and, and what really changed, and I, I fought before the Ultimate Fighter, and then I was on the Ultimate Fighter, and I fought after that, is shows like the Ultimate Fighter, shows now like the Contender, where you actually get to know our personalities. Like nobody, yes. and I right. was seven and seven going into that house. I know Jimmy, 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 like you said, the BJ Penn, the Dean Thomas, close, close. I know anyway, Frank Trigg. I mean, and then shocked the world. I do like to mention that. Oh, no, he went yes. The other ones could have went either way. You say that all the time. Of course you I do. You, you embarrass me. But the oh. thing is this, the thing is, 
they get to know your personalities. And hey, man, this guy's an exciting fighter. I don't know. Sometimes he wins, sometimes he loses, but shit, I got to watch when this guy fights. He goes for more platters. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying. So I think part of it's those shows that get you involved with it. 100%. And the sport is amazing, you know? And, and don't forget, the, the one thing I love about it is they give you the fights you want. Mm. Like, because there's not five promotions fighting, like when you looked at like Tyson, Evander Holyfield, that took six years. I know Tyson went to jail, but even before that, it was this one and nonsense and nonsense. It, 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 fuck it, Gilbert Burns, uh, Kamaru Usman. Okay, let's make it happen. Colby Covington against us. Let's make it happen. They make fucking fights happen and the fighters are good to fans and that makes the fans invested in them. A fighters, I've never seen a fighter be a dick to the fans, a UFC yeah. fighter. Yeah, I wonder if this is the benefit of having one sanctioning body have total control of the most elite ring of the sport. Like, obviously, there are the other things, right? You have, you know, Bellator and the other ones. I don't even know if they're still doing, uh, what was it called, K1 or something like that in Europe? That's no, Japan. Yeah, still, but there's, you know, other organizations overseas or whatever there's, else. There's tons of, there's tons of organizations, yeah. but like, obviously, uh, you know, with boxing, there's like 10 different fucking divisions and this belt and that belt and everything's meaningless at the same time. There's not a lot of control, but the fact that the UFC has control of all these fighters, they can keep giving them fights. They can choose whenever they give them the fights. And I understand that the fighters might complain about pay and they're not making as much as the boxers. But at the same time, if you're a boxer with a 16 and 10 record, you're not making that much either. Right. So, so the reality is you could make the argument that it is more profitable because a loss isn't counted against you in the same way in MMA as it is in boxing or some other fight sports. True. No, it's true. I, I also think boxing too, the decisions, like the last fight I watched, I watched Gennady Golovkin against uh, Alvarez, the first fight. Yeah. I thought Golovkin clearly won that. Um and the, the the judging, and I know the judges can be the same, is so disgusting in boxing. And boxing, fair or not, has a reputation of yeah, so much dirt and corruption in the sport, whether that's earned or whether that's exaggerated. Whereas the UFC, there's people who don't like Dana, but people, the, the UFC does not have that shit reputation that boxing has. Well, here's the thing. That's a function of the cost of a loss. Right. If you have five million invested in a boxer, right? And then they lose, all right. All of a sudden you can't return that money that you put into this boxer in the same way. But in the UFC, if you lose, we're gonna see you fight three months later, regardless. Yeah. Like there are guys who probably are fighting. I mean, like, when was the last time Cerrone won? It's been a while since uh I I mean I can actually tell you. And uh, but we still like the guy. We still want to see him fight. He's going to fight, I think, with Diego Sanchez or something yeah. like that coming up soon. And we still like it. We still excited. He's on the roster. It's almost like all these fighters become characters in this like sitcom, right? Yeah, and we're like, yeah, yeah, we still want to see you pop in and out every once in a while. You're entertaining, and the more entertaining you make yourself outside the ring, like you were saying with those shows with twenty four seven happening in boxer, the more we are invested. Like that guy, uh, Platinum Mike Perry. I'm obsessed with this fucking guy. I don't know why. I just watch him walk around South Beach on Instagram. I'm obsessed with his relationship with his he's wife funny. and his new kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I love funny. watching him. 
bro, he's hilarious. He shows up, to, dude, when he showed up to the to, to the weigh in and he steps on the scale and the guy's looking as if he's going to like get it to the exact uh, pound that he was at. He just looks at him. He goes, it's not even close, buddy. Like, it's like we should be angry at this. Right. We should be furious about this. But the guy's hysterical. And because of that, we keep wanting to see him. Well, he's another know. genuine guy. He's a very, we've interviewed him a few times and he's a very, there's no bullshit in this guy. Like yeah. you, you never wonder how he feels. Like, you know exactly how he feels. I will call him out on one piece of bullshit. What's okay. that? I think he's way smarter than he lets on. Yeah, that's probably I, true. I think he's way smarter and I think his approach I don't know. Stylistically, I, I don't know. Again, I, I don't know everything about ground and pound and all these things. I, is, I know just striking, boxing, not even the feet. But his decision making in like certain fights, obviously you get fight, you fight certain guys that are going to outclass you regardless. But his decision making and his discipline that I've seen in certain fights lead me to believe that he takes this shit seriously. He's not out there. Oh, like, yeah. I'm just, you know, uh, remember Ricardo Mayorga? Remember that fighter back in the day was a boxer and he would like smoke the cigarettes in the ring afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think that platinum Mike Perry is like, I'm just going to go in there, bro. I don't give a fuck about technique or any of this other shit. I have a feeling that he takes that shit seriously when he's training. He takes it seriously because it does show in the ring. And he maybe presents this like, ah, I don't give a fuck uh, attitude, but I think there's part of him that does give. Oh yeah. Give a fuck about the craft. Well, he can fight. Yeah. And he puts the work in. And you've seen improvements. Yeah. He's gotten more patient. He's more patient in the cage than he was. Yeah, you're right. He's changed a lot. And you can tell he's not stupid when you hear him on the mic. He's very Mm -hmm. natural on the mic. Yeah. He comes across with some great stuff. And he's he's never cringy. It's always like makes you laugh. It's almost like a in the Derek Lewis type of. uh, When he was talking about the taxes. He was like, actually, it's good they took some money away because it's going to drop me in the tax bracket or something. I was like, bro, this guy's hilarious. Like, <laughs> like, this guy is absolutely hilarious. I love this guy. Yeah. Now, as a comedian, and you go to a Starbucks and you're wearing those Keds and you got the scarf, are you prepared to use your boxing or your comedy skills to get out of trouble if somebody fucks with you? <laughs> I'm asking that, so just, I want to know. It depends maybe the I'll be prepared to do it a It depends the size. It depends how big the guy is that's talking shit. But my fighting days are over, man. I can't be fighting anybody anymore. You know what I mean? But you could um, be instigating some shit dressing like that. That is true. I am opening myself up for criticism. Yeah. And I will take that. That is okay. That is fine. But yeah, man, I don't know. Fighting you don't give a shit. I like no. it. For me, I mean, if, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna fight someone, it's it, there's a very definite. If 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 they're under the age of nine or over the age of eighty five, I I get physical. But anything in between, I try to joke or talk my way out of it. <laughs> I honestly, at this point in my life, I don't think there's anything that you could say to me where it's just me and you where I'd have to fight somebody. Right. If you're saying it in front of my girl, I might have to fight you but i'm almost like why would you make me do this if she wasn't here you could say all that shit this yeah. is, she's here yeah. and i gotta make her think i can protect her so now i gotta fucking fight you yeah, no but if you just said this yeah say again no one wants to fight no the thing is uh, there's times this is what i love about brazilian jiu-jitsu and you should try it i can tell you're almost anti-arm locks you're like ah i like well, the box I, I want what i what i love about jiu-jitsu is that um Unlike boxing, you can't really train at 100% because you could really get hurt and someone else get hurt. But when I see the jujitsu guys, 
because of the tap out, you can train at a hundred, right? Listen, like it, the, the perfect, I rolled yesterday, my buddy Tess, I, it, there's tap outs. So it, I, if it was us dropped into a warehouse, I know this guy's walking out with a broken shoulder. He's not, well, he's got a broken shoulder. I could have put him to sleep because there, you know what I mean? So you right. get right to that point where if he doesn't do this, the shoulders, I mean, you're not going to do it to a friend. You're going to say, man, are you yeah, sure? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, you're like, you're not feeling this. Your hands about to fucking scratch the back of your head. But there's times like, I'll tell you right now, but it, it's kind of, it's, it is safe in a sense where there's like, I had a, a something called a bread cutter choke where I, I had to hit the gi on where I was strangling him. And, he, and also you hear like, he starts yeah. like, like breathing out of his nose. And I'm like, dude, what the, and then he got, he ended up getting out. But I go, dude, he goes, no, no, I got a little air in, but we're not. So it's a game of almost playing, trying to kill each other, but yeah. nobody's getting hurt. Nobody got hurt. We walked out of there fine, but it's such right. a, I know it sounds sick, but it's such a beautiful thing. Jimmy's going to mess around with it. His sensei. Yeah. Uh, Andrew knows him very oh, well. That was my sensei. Yes. The same oh, guy. Yeah. I Jimmy. Yeah. We live, when I was in New York, we lived a block away from each other. We were like on the same block. Oh shit. Yeah, so we would go over to Ch uh, Tiger Shulman's. I mean, shout out to Jimmy. Jimmy's a great fucking guy, man. Yeah, isn't he he's awesome? A, he's a sweetheart guy. Awesome. And uh, he's one of the guys I always tell him, I was like, Jimmy, like, I know that this is not authentic for you, but we got to create a character around you so that you can just make tons of money and then retire. Like, because you're a great fighter, but if we just spruce up what's around it, then you have all the leverage in the world to ask for, I don't know how much these guys make, half a million dollars a fight or whatever the fuck it is, right? Right now, he's actually going about it the hardest way. He's like, I'm going to beat everybody up, but yeah, I'm not yeah. going to give them this bigger than life personality, you know? And I want that guy to retire, take care of his fucking giant dogs, do whatever he wants. <laughs> well, listen, he's a sweet, I'm sorry, Jimmy, just just a same subject with, with Jimmy leading, because when he had to fight Aljo and we had Jimmy on the show a bunch, so I like Jimmy. So I'd see him all week long and all week long, he's smiling and hey, Hey, Matt, you know, he's just a nice guy. And I'd be with Aljo, but he's always smiling. Like, we're giving each other bro hugs. And I go, I go, Aljo, the, the, and Aljo's like, man, I, he's so, he's like, really nice, man. And I'm, I want to, like, I almost don't even want to talk to him because he's too, I go, Aljo, that's not the face you're going to see. That's smiling face. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. not the face you're going to see in the cage. I'm telling you yeah. right now. Yeah. I remember being in the cage with Aljo. Like, I'm on, I'm on the thing. I'm on the apron there. And then Jimmy comes after. And dude, I remember when he got in, First time I'd see him all week long. I didn't see this guy all week long because he came in. <laughs> he's jogging around the fucking guy. Go, Look, I go, see the fuck I'm talking about? He's not a dog. Get the fuck out, dude. Because that guy is scary. Little pit bull. Yeah. I like Jimmy Rivera. Oh, he's a bad motherfucker, dude. I mean, I remember watching Jimmy fight uh, Jan and Jimmy would out. He would he would outstrike Jan for four minutes and 30 seconds of a round. And then Jan would land a fucking bomb in the last 30 seconds. And I mean, he almost put Jimmy out, but you know, Jimmy's a tough kid, but yeah. I literally remember talking to him. I was like, dude, if the rounds were four minutes long, you win that fight easy. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said, if his fucking aunt had balls, it'd be his uncle. And I'm not. Yeah. 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 If his aunt had balls, I'd date her. Oh, yeah, man. oh, but listen, oh, yeah. no, man, he did great in that fight. But the judges, you know, it's yeah. the famous saying they got short sure. memories, man. They no, remember I think, how it should end it, you know? I, I, no, I think that he agrees that Young got the fight. I mean, yeah. you know, he got dropped and everything like that. But I'm just saying that he can compete at that level. But that's a good question. So it's like when you're coaching guys, Matt, like, 
how much are you balancing their self-esteem? Like your, your fighters that are fighting professionally, are you concerned about their self-esteem going into a fight? Will you take it easy on them if you feel like they're feeling a little bit low? Will you try to build them up a little bit? Obviously, you want them going in confident. You know, there's times like this. Uh, for instance, well, uh, this is how I'll answer that. Uh, there's times with Longo when I've had, and this, we do this with our guys too, but leading up to a fight, if uh, I was supposed to get like a couple more sparring sessions in, and let's say I had two more planned it's, before I leave to Vegas, whatever it is. And then the, the one before the last one, I was on the money. Longo goes, that's the last day. That's mm. it. We're ending, we're ending yeah, it yeah. on the day. We're not yeah, doing it. Yeah. That's it. And then for a couple of reasons, one, it, it'll make me want to get to sparring again. Maybe sometimes I'll, I'll be like, ah, but I'm used to sparring like every week. How many times? So when it comes to fight time and that uh, fight night, I'm like, all right, I'm itching to fucking to get my hands on somebody again. And mm. two, my confidence is high because I had a great day of sparring. So it's one of those things. Like you want a guy leaving, but you don't want guys sitting there just being punching bags for you. It has to right. be a legit thing. Yeah. So, so it, Jimmy, it's a balancing act a little. Jimmy, before you tape a special or before you tape like a late night or something like that, the set be before you tape, do you want it to be good or bad? Because I've heard wisdom for both. You know, it's funny. Whenever I would do for special, because there's so much more going into it, I'll kind of it's hard to say because I got two shots at it. <clears throat> Typically, the early show is not as good as the late show. Yeah, but then yeah. I go back and I watch it. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to use the early show as the base. Yeah, it was yeah, actually yeah, way better yeah, than I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. It's, it, I was more, whenever I would do the Tonight Show, because you only get one shot at that, and a special yeah. is a bigger deal, but I would go out to L.A. and I would always go on the, at the uh, the improv, and every time I would fucking tank. Eat it. Eat oh, it. Dude, Eat it. always. I would always go to the comic strip before I went to L.A. because I literally, in I guess the, the since in 15 years since I've been passed at the comic strip, I've probably had one good set and the rest were bombs. I fucking eat my <laughs> balls in that room. So I would always go to the strip and try to work it out because yeah. it's, it's not that I want to bomb, but it's going to happen. So let's yeah. get it out of the way. You know, it's, it's like, uh, I always think of, I always think about that. Obviously you want to be confident going into the set, right? But yeah. sometimes when you're on a kill streak, you forget, at least for me, I forget how to tell the jokes while I'm bombing. Like, yep. you know how, uh, you know how, like when you're doing shitty, all of a sudden you forget tags, you forget where this joke goes, your yeah. rhythm is all off because there's this, there's no like laughter that's part of that little cadence that you built up. Yeah. Right. So in a way, it's almost good to have like a bomb in that week. Yeah. Like I like to have a kill right before I film anything, but in that week I like to have a bomb so I feel what it's like in case shit doesn't go well. And I'm like, oh no, I remember this. I've been here before. We can get ourselves out of this. You know what yeah, I'm talking if a about? Joke doesn't work. Yeah, not to panic. If a yeah. joke or two doesn't work, just kind of make it look like this is exactly how it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. um, and we've all had a few jokes miss in a stand-up set on TV, but the crowd's kind of rooting for you. So you can't implode. Like yeah. I can't behave the way I would in the fucking Dallas improv. If I'm yeah. bombing, you know, and just tell the crowd to fucking burn themselves on the way out the door, you have to salvage it. <laughs> yes, you guys, do you have any, do you have any stuff in your, in the chamber in case there's uh, hecklers? Do you, you have it already lined up or is it more of this person's messing with me? Let me see where I go with this and see what they're wearing. Or do you have something already ready to change fire off if there's an idiot yelling something like or no, not not really. 
I mean, like, I know there's guys that have kind of like stock lines for that, but um, which I don't blame them sure. for it at all because it's like, let's get back to the show. Like these guys are assholes, you know, who are just interrupting the show. Um, I don't, I don't really have anything. Sometimes I can be like really cruel. Like it's not even funny. It just makes yeah. everybody sad. You know, like, I, I mean, there, <laughs> there are moments that like we have on film cause we just like film everything that like my guys want me to release, but I'm like, this, this is the most unlikable thing that, uh, that we've ever like, I mean, <laughs> it's just like really cruel. Like, I'll just be like, I'll just stop the show and just be really cruel. Cause I'm so angry that they would interrupt the show. It's you rude. Know what I mean? like, it's rude. Yeah, but it's I'm, just I'm, I'm, selfish, you know, it's just like, I don't even want it to be fun anymore. I just want you to know the cost of interrupting and then we can get back to the fun. Like, I love talking to the crowd. I love talking to people in the audience. I don't see I don't consider them hecklers at all. Yeah. Like, if anything, they're like they're scared and I kind of want them to look. I kind of want them to look cool sometimes. I want them to look fun. I want them to be interesting. If there's a guy on a date with a girl, I want him to look cool to her i don't know we can have fun here without just humiliating but anybody who interrupts the fucking show it's rude, right rude. especially yeah. if you're doing well if i'm bombing and you want to say some shit all right that's on me i'm bombing but if the show's going well and you interrupt i don't even think i can be funny in that moment i just want to tear their fucking head off yeah because it depends on their face too like when somebody interrupts you it's a weird sense you get like are they really just trying to have fun with you and they're dumb yeah. Yeah, or yeah. are they just drunk or are they doing that thing where they're trying to fucking sabotage? And, and, and when you, you have to get that quick sense. And when they're trying to sabotage, uh, I've ruined sets because the crowd doesn't know what they're doing, but I know what they're doing. And it's like, you know what? It's worth going down in flames for. With yes, it is. Our, our buddy, Adam Hunter, you know, Adam. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know Adam. Yeah. <laughs> he was one I saw on Instagram. He was saying said, said some joke and a girl goes, that was a dad joke. He goes, well, I'm a, I'm a dad. It's like if yeah. you were up here doing horror jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's ah, fucking- that was fucking great. <laughs>Life can be a battle. Whoever you are, we're all fighting for something. O2 Industries is here to protect fighters like you. That's why they created TR2, the ultimate military-grade respirator. It battles airborne particles so you can fight for honor, not for air. Developed with Tier 1 operators, this respirator is eyewear compatible and fits a wide range of facial profiles. It's even approved by elite fighters like George St. Pierre. TR2 launches on October 20th, available for fighters like you. Check out its bold design and pre-order yours at protectthefighter.com. O2 Industries, proud to fight alongside the UFC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. 
is also are you familiar with uh, Kamar oh. Usman, the champion fighting Gilbert Burns? Are you familiar? Yeah, with yeah, guys? yeah. You know what? DC said something interesting about that, and he goes, um, "Those guys know who's better. Those guys have trained with each other. That's right. Those guys know who's better." And he used an example of a like. I guess when he and like Cain Velasquez, I guess they were training with each other. And I don't yeah. know if they ever ended up For years. fighting. Never. No, they never, they never would fight. They, they actually said they would never fight each other. Yeah. But, but he, which I thought was really cool because he was vulnerable about it. And he was like, uh, Mark, you can come through this way. He said, um, he goes, I couldn't beat Cain. I knew I couldn't beat Cain. Cain knew that I couldn't beat him as well. So it's like, that's Mark, guys. Mark, uh, Mark, nice to meet you. And uh, so, so I just thought that I was super vulnerable of him to yeah. get that. And I guess those guys know because those guys have been training. So, what do you think it is? You think that? Uh, I mean, do you think Gilbert feels like he can do it? Or he just I wants the shot. Yeah, I think yeah. that his confidence is. It, yeah. See, that's funny that you said that because it's like he cannot wait. You look at his Instagram. He's, he's excited. Sure, like how many more sleeps and this and that. We're right there and yeah. But, you know, but Camaro, he doesn't seem like he's got, you know, he seems focused. Now he's working with Trevor Whitman. That's an interesting combo. Get to yeah. get work, get some work in with Justin Gaethje. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. It's, that's interesting. So, I mean, listen, it's got the making of a great fight because it's not like, because Gilbert has the jujitsu mm. to really offset the balance of Camaro down there on, on the floor. Because chances are Kamara will get that takedown. So it's exciting. Oh, so you're saying if it does go to the floor, yes, then Kamaro puts himself in a Kamaro puts himself in a vulnerable uh situation potentially because of how good Gilbert is on the ground. Possibly, or his wrestling might be able to nullify it. Yeah. It, it, right. but, but but could it? I don't know. I mean, you're looking at a guy that you know, put this, put the Damian Maya to sleep after Damian Maya had him in a position that he strangled half of the fucking division. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right. He gets on somebody's back. Right. You can't count how many times this guy's like, Hoy Masvidal that survived it. But, you know, a lot of times guys aren't surviving, getting out and then doing damage the way, the way Gilbert did. I mean, Gilbert was in horrible positions. Gilbert has world-class jujitsu. He was a world jujitsu champion. He doesn't have very good jujitsu. He has world yeah. play. He has, He's the, the, the as as good as you can get, man. He's up there. He's, he's right. up there. If he jumps into any submission grappling, just submission grappling tournament, he'll do very well for himself. Like you know what really? I mean. The best guys on the planet. So that's what Kamaro's dealing with down there, upstairs. I mean, listen, I mean, this is a pick 'em fight to me. This is a rough. Yeah. One. Hey, look, Colby and him. Colby and Kamaro. Everyone thought was going to wind up on the floor, and it didn't go to the floor at all. At all. Because I think sometimes when both guys know how good the other guy is and that uh, on the floor, it yeah. nullifies a little bit. And, and neither yeah. guy wants to be in the position where they lose in a place that they know they're so good. So maybe they avoid it for a while. Maybe that maybe a lot of the fight is standing up. Who the fuck knows? I mean, I love that. I, I love the idea of them standing. But uh, Burns seems like he's got some hands on him, too. Like he, he does. He he strikes like a guy who started striking. Oh, right? I said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he? Like he seems very natural in his striking. There are certain guys that strike in a way like they learned it after the fact. Like even yeah. Colby, who's striking seems good. Like he still strikes like a guy who looks like he started wrestling. Like he throws some kind of unorthodox punches. Like and maybe he does it strategically, but like he throws this kind of like big looping left. And maybe that's like to fake the maybe it's to fake the takedown to get you to drop your hands to like sprawl and then he comes over the top. But in terms of like a boxing punch, I don't know. 
where anybody would would learn something like that. And maybe that's something that's developed through MMA, but uh, it, it just seemed unorthodox. But when Gilbert fights, it's super traditional. Like, I don't know. Henry Hoof. Hoof. Oh, oh like fuck. Hoof. Henry Hoof. He's, he's his coach? Yeah, he's a beast. I remember him fighting in the, was it K1? Yes. Oh, no. Yeah, man. He's a big, like, he seems like a Dutchman. I don't, I, I want to say he's Dutch. Yeah, I, black I, dude. Big. He was like, I, I oh, thought he was a black dude. Oh, he's a white guy. So who am I thinking that's? You're thinking who? of Alistair Overeem. I don't know. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Listen, well, are you know. familiar also with Macy Barber or no? No, I don't know any of the chick fighters, okay, man. Okay. I haven't gotten into them that much. Um. I remember there was that the I did see one fight that was really fucking amazing, man. These two girls going at it. But uh, it's been amazing how they've been able to promote female MMA. I mean, like that never happened in boxing. Nobody ever got no. into female boxing, even with Layla Ali. No one even cared. Yeah, no. it was Ronda. Ronda started that. And then there was and then when you when you see someone like uh, Amanda Nunes, who's as fucking solid as, as, as anybody yeah. in the UFC or Cyborg had this big mystique that she came in. She had won 20 straight fights. Uh, Holly Holm coming in and beating Ronda with a head kick. Like there was some really yeah. exciting women that came in and people watched her and go, no, th- th- it's like watching anybody else fight. I mean, there's just two fucking animals and they're slugging each other. So that, I think that's what kind of made not it. Only, not only that, Jimmy, but jujitsu wise. Absolutely. Yeah. That's technique because jiu-jitsu, very flexible. Yeah. Well, they're flexible, but it's, it's, it's leverage. It's timing. It's not so much power and strength. So women just like kids, they pick up jujitsu jitsu quicker than men would you know what i mean because they don't have anything to compensate with like in other words a guy you, know can, you don't walk into a jiu-jitsu school and see a bunch of muscle heads it doesn't it's not really you know what i mean because they'll they'll do 60 percent of it and then they'll 40 percent try to muscle something yeah, you don't uh, get that you get you know what i mean so I don't there's know. a uh there's a i was uh i was shooting me and my my girl on vacation we were we went to like this i don't know kind of like a shooting range if you will and uh, the guy said, women shoot way better than men in the beginning, Ooh. like way better. It's not even close. I go, why? And he goes, they just listen when you give them advice. Like every guy <laughs> has been fake shooting since he's four years old. Like we had the Nerf guns. We got water guns. Every one of us right now probably thinks that we could shoot very accurately. Yeah. Right. These women yeah. fake doing it for a while. We're like, women don't. So they're like, oh, you're saying I should watch it pass through the target and then pull the trigger. I'll do it. And they just get it every single time. And I wonder if jujitsu is something like that since it's not sheer force and strength and there's not that like ego attached to um the technique that like a guy would just be like well i'm just gonna flip them over and then choke them out maybe they learn it a little bit quicker and have a little bit more of appreciation for the technique instead of trying to overcompensate with straight power yeah and they don't even have the power to compensate so if right turn exactly where they should be you know, and they don't have they don't have distributing all the weight the right way. They're not getting the move, so they have to do things correctly. Where a guy could be like, oh, "Just bring us over here," and kind of you know mess with the technique because of his okay. Strength. I got a, I got a couple of questions. I don't know how much longer you guys have, but I have a couple of questions sure. I want to ask you before before we got to go. Sure. You guys, you know, kick me out whenever you guys need. No, but no, um, fun. I'm I'm curious about um, what do you think about Ben Askren's chances against Jake Paul? Jimmy, you want to take it first? I, I and I told Ben this. I think Ben knocks him out in the second round uh, because I know Jake takes boxing, uh, but Jake has not spent years being hit by guys who strike professionally. Jake has yeah. not spent years moving out of the way. I don't care. If Ben's a wrestler. He has had to get out of the way. I mean, he withstood uh, he, with Robbie Lawler. I mean, uh, it, was, yeah. it was a close one. 
But Jake has never been hit by guys like that. He's tough, though. Jake Paul's not a pussy, but I think Ben Askren finishes him in the second round. I feel that, listen, Ben Askren's a durable guy. If he took, yeah. like, three or more knees like he did from Ore or stoppages like that, maybe you could start to be like, hey, man, this guy's chin is suspect. How, right. he's, oh, he's one of the most durable guys. He never even got wobbled in a fight before that, you know, uh, highlight knockout. Right. Right. So to think that he's going to go in and get touched and be put on his ass is ridiculous. Crazy. Not to mention, he doesn't have to go in there like a rock'em sock'em robot. Mm. I, I think this guy's not going to go in there like Jack Dempsey or nothing, but I get, why would I say Jack Dempsey out of all the fucking boxes? Why not? I can say, can I name an old, like Jack uh, Johnson. Jack Johnson, Listen, sure. J.R. <laughs> Sullivan. But what I feel is he will be good enough to strike him up, clinch him up. And I'll tell you, yep. I think uh, the kid, the young kid, Jake Paul, he'll be a little powerful in the beginning, but then after a little while, that's going to fade a little bit from getting tied up. And then Ben will just, he's not, he's a guy that doesn't get tired. He's going to wear on him. Look in the later rounds for Ben just to be more overwhelming him. You can hit pity patter, but if you don't get tired and you're in a guy's face, I've mm. had guys that don't hit hard where I'd fucking hit him in sparring. And also they're not going nowhere. I'm already getting hit in the face. I'm like you fuck. I wish we had any pounds. No, but you know what I mean? So yes, yes. So you're, see. So, okay, this is interesting because I, I haven't heard this. So basically the idea is that, that Ben is a very durable opponent and because of his durability, and he's probably hard to hit outside of Jorge. It's not like he was getting pieced up in these other fights. Right. Okay, so he's durable. He's kind of hard to hit. Even if he isn't going to outstrike him in the beginning, he can get Jake exhausted enough where his striking ability will be able to create some wear and tear. And then later rounds, you think it, you think it has, because just what I've seen of his striking, I think Ben, I'm sorry. I think Jake has fought at least sparred guys that are, I know he's sparred sure. guys that are like actually, you know, legit boxers. He's been in yeah. there with guys that, that can box. I mean, he's getting trained by a guy uh, right now. Um, not BJ Flores. The guy is a uh, uh, Jalen Love, right? Who used to be like a WBA champ. He was in Mayweather's camp. So like he's in there, and he's in guys with you know guys that could bang. But I agree with you. It's different when you go into the the deep waters, man. That's what I I think. You, I expect a lot of clinching from Ben, punching into the clinch, wrapping him up, having the mm -hmm. ref break them up. Listen, Mike Tyson's the most dangerous guy on the planet. And back when he was the most dangerous striker in the world, and how many times, even when he's knocking a guy out in the first round, how many times does the ref have to come in and, hey, yeah. get out of it? And this is Ben, who's an expert at clinching. So I know Jake Paul knows how to throw some, knows how to fight. I mean, you've seen even with Nate Robinson. That was him. He was doing feints. He was he was making the guy react. Like, you've seen, all right, that guy's got some rounds in. This other guy's just running into shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Big difference between Nate Robinson and Ben Askren. And I'm not saying 100%. Ben Askren's. I'm just saying for the reasons I stated before. The milliseconds, yeah. though, like the fact that Askren is a professional fighter. I mean, it, it, it's just it's a different world, man. It's like it's even if too. Jake Paul is training with a guy who's a very legit fighter, when you're locked in a, in a, in, a, in a, a, the ring with a guy who is a professional fighter, he's never been locked in there. He was a professional fighter who's legitimately looking to hurt him and knock him out. Mm. Um, I think Askren, again, Jake might have some great hands, but he's been in there with guys that have great hands. He's been yep. in there with guys that have great everything. With he's been four in there. Ounce gloves, Jimmy, with four ounce gloves. A hundred percent. But I, I think the fact that he is a professional fighter um, and has been hit by, again, a guy who's been hit by four ounce gloves and survived it. Uh, I, I think that uh, I, I say second round at the latest. 
Really? So you, yep, 100%. What was the other question? Well, that was the only question. Well, I, my, one, my one final question is, um, do we ever see Colby and Kumaru go at it again? Colby and Kamaro. Well, I mean, we they have a rematch. Colby might have to face. I think he might be facing Masvidal, right? Masvidal's the fight I would love to see. Yeah, that's going to be the fun money fight. But those guys know who's won that too, right? Like, well, you never saw them really. You saw them wrestle a little bit, and Colby was messing with him. But I don't know, man. God, who knows? I mean, there's 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 gym wars, and then there's this you know the fight night. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, both of them seem pretty confident in that. Also, you yeah. Know? It, 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 you know, there's, there's some intriguing matchups coming up. I'd love to see Colby Kamara go out of the game. I uh, say Kamara has to fight uh, Gilbert Burns, and then uh, say Colby fights uh, Masvidal. I, I think he would have to beat. But then again, Masvidal just fought uh, Kamara as well. So I don't know exactly what it would take for him to, ha- to to get that shot again. Sometimes if it's too close, all of a sudden to fight the same champion that he fought two or three fights ago is harder to pull off. Um, either somebody comes up from another division or they take the number four guy and give him a shot just so it's not the same fight they're trying to sell. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, okay, then this is the last one. It is is Connor done and not by pro, and not by by way of lack of skills, but by way of lack of interest? You know, I mean, I think you can only be sailing around your lot so much. I think he is a fighter. I think he enjoys yeah. the fight game. I think he, I listen, I know the guy enjoys the attention. You'll he's see like in the past, guy. there's fight nights. Also, he's tweeting out stuff about this guy and Diego Sanchez. He likes the attention. Yep. He doesn't like what other people are getting. It. He wants, he wants all the, he wants the attention. It's fine. But, and I think he, I, I think that he's such a young guy that we'll see him again. I really feel the Nate Diaz fight's the one to make. I think they're both coming off losses. They have that trilogy. They should now is that I think they should be doing that fight, man. I really do. Mm-hmm. But that, that's me, you know. It seems like Nate is trying to get a fight with uh, Dustin, though. Oh, is he? That's it. Uh, that's he wants to I fight the 170, say. doesn't he? Yeah, like 165 or 170. He's like, let's fight over there. Because he said everybody at 170 uh, is a tomato can. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he goes, they're little boys. I'll let them grow up first. I also think he's doing that to possibly entice Connor to take that fight for the trilogy. Uh, I, I think that they know that Connor's next fight, it can't be with Dustin. They just fought, um, is going to be the Nate Diaz trilogy, even though it's not the fight I would want to see. I'll watch it. And I think maybe Nate is trying to let Connor know, hey, there's other options here, pal, if you don't want to take it, which ah. might cause Connor. That, that's a guess. Uh, but the money fight is with Connor for the third fight. Uh, and they'll probably do it at 170. Although, again, I've, I've said a hundred times to the point of ad nauseum, there's a lot of guys I want to see Connor fight more than Nate. I've seen that fight. It was great. I've seen two of them. They were great. Yeah. I don't need a third one. I'd rather see him fight Tony Ferguson. I would much rather see him fight Tony Ferguson. Mm. Not going to happen. That's you what know I what I want to know? I want to know, because I'm going to be listening to him. I want to know, what's the difference between the flagrant two and the brilliant idiots? Because uh, I'm going to listen to both of your podcasts. And you only have two? I mean, yeah, yeah. Help. Yeah, just two. Yeah, I need to to work harder, bro. Um, That's enough, but I want to know what's the difference. Flagrant idiots, yes. Yeah, flair. So, so like, brilliant idiots. I do Charlemagne the God, and he's just a brilliant uh, personality radio uh, guy. But just he's just the goat, man. He's amazing. And um, and then flagrant two, I do with Akash Jane. He's a comic, and then uh, Alex Media and Mark, uh, also comic and producer. And uh, it's just we basically created the podcast at the time. I think this is a few years ago. 
just to like say all the things that we thought you weren't allowed to say in entertainment anymore and just make all those jokes. And like, that was the inception of it. it was like, let's be flagrant in this time where you can't at all. I mean, I'm sure Jim can talk ad nauseum about all the things that you can no longer say, you're not supposed to say. And like, so you know, silly. Uh, so it was a really cool thing. And, and then it really just became a, just a, just a hang, man. I think that's really what it is. So it's, uh, you know, we're not trying to like reinvent the wheel over here. I wish I could probably give you a better pitch, but it's one of those things where you just kind of, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to sell it really. It's just, if you get involved in the flagrancy, then you get involved in the flagrancy. And that's just what we're about, man. You know how dumb I am, Matt? I know Andrew a long time and I didn't, I've never heard the podcast. I literally thought flagrant two was a basketball or, or, or because of the fa- a flagrant okay, foul. Yeah, some yeah, reason I yeah. thought that was a sports podcast. Yeah, it used to be. It used to be a sports podcast. And oh, it was. Okay. Yeah. And then I realized uh, I didn't want to like have to talk about sports every week. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was like, I, don't, I was like reading articles about like golf and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I just yeah. want to bust balls with my friends. And sometimes it's about sports, sometimes about MMA, sometimes about politics, sometimes it is. But uh, for us, it's just about the joke. That is, what is the joke? What is the funny take on this topic? Like, I don't really care about the facts. Like, we have a whole thing where we're just like feelings, no facts. I don't even want to know any facts. Yeah. Just tell me how you feel about this right here. So, that's what we've been trying to cook up over here. So to, to, to wrap up, because that, Andrew, you, you've given us a lot of time, man. I, I love you. And by the way, your special was good, man. It was really fucking good. It was in four parts. Uh, it's on Netflix. Andrew Schultz saves America. And it was everything you want. It, it was completely not a woke culture special. If you're a woke person, you might enjoy it if you enjoy humor that goes against what you believe. Really funny, man. And, and the fact that you still... You didn't do it in a way that wouldn't get you in trouble. You did exactly what you wanted to do. We just did what we wanted to do. And like, uh, we also tried to be fair. Yeah. Like when I was doing those pieces, I really did care about like the truth. And like Mark, who's in the room with me now, wrote it with me. And Alex, who directed it, was in the room with me. And like, when we put these together, we were like, okay, let's try to be right. We can't go out and do comedy. When I go out and I do stand-up, I don't care if it's right or wrong. I just care right. if it makes comedic sense. Okay. Um, I have a joke back in the day, which was, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, treating women poorly is horrible, but, uh, it produces the best food. And I would just go through all these cultures that like are notoriously sexist and they make amazing food. And the ones that like are very equal have horrible food, right? right? It's not true, but it's funny. It's funny. You know what I mean? Like, so that's for me, that's the most exciting part of the joke is finding some crazy justification for something that's wrong. Right. right. But when we did this special, we we're like, let's try to get it right. Let's be accurate. Let's be fair to both sides. Let's be accurate and let's be truthful and do fucking research and really create something that's fair to the left and fair to the right and make sense of the world for most of us. And we put it out. And for the first time in my career, there's all these blogs like, this is racist to Asians. I'm like, the fuck did we work so fucking hard for? <laughs> if you want racist jokes for Asians, we could do that easily. We don't have to do all this research. So it's just fucking drove me crazy, man. Like the yeah, one time we were actually trying to be fair, we get yeah. all these blogs written about it. Like, yeah, hey, Jesus Christ. I think people like you say, complain about something, man. I really do. They want to complain. Um, Andrew, I love you, man, and uh, you're great, and, and I'm happy for how well you're doing. Uh, it, it, flagrant, uh, is it Flagrant 2 and Brilliant Idiots are the podcast? And on Netflix, um, Andrew Schultz Saves America, four parts, uh, really, really well-written, well-structured, 
very unique special. And uh, I'm happy for you, man. Thank you so much. I love you, man. And hey, Matt, it was great to meet you, dude. I've been a fan for a while, so it was really cool to sit down and talk. And I and I do want to try some jujitsu, man. So if you're down in Miami or anything like that, or you got anybody you recommend, I'd love to. I love to roll. A hundred percent. Do you have any relatives in New York? Are you coming back to visit at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, all my family's back there and stuff. So we'll be back there. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna get you my number. I'm in Long Island. I got a school in Huntington, Long Island. Oh yeah. Is I know, it open I, now? It may who be. Knows? We might who be knows? like Fight Club. I don't. We don't <laughs> talk about it. But listen, you come to town, Jimmy. You get you my number. Call me up. I want to give you your first lesson. I would you love be strangling to me. It's all good. I, you know, my my folks had a had a house in Fire Island, and there's a whole different type of jujitsu that goes on out there. So, Jimmy uh, does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's a fucking red belt. Jimmy's a red belt in that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's where it's, it's where you don't tap when you're being choked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like it comes with a fucking ball in your mouth. But anyway, <laughs> like all Andrew, so nice to meet you, man. Good seeing you, man. Nice to meet you guys. Peace, man. Thanks for having me. Andrew, take care, brother. Jimmy, I like him. Oh, he's great, dude. He's a I really, like he's, a he, and that's that's the guy he is. He's a very genuine guy. There's no bullshit with him. I knew you guys would get along. I'm always happy when my friends get along. I think I got a new friend. Yeah. I, I, I'll I, make sure I, I give him your number, too. Definitely do that. I love yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to really quick go over this picks? Yeah, let's go over our picks. Um, card, because I'll tell you right now, this has been a great show. Yeah. You said, yeah. No, no, I'm thinking. You're right. It has been. Now, let's start. Uh, first fight, Maki Patolo against Julian Marquez. Now, Patolo's one and three in the UFC. Uh, Marquez one and one. And uh, he's also, uh, Patolo's coming up a two fight. Uh, uh, Kasangani, he has lost two, and also Stewart, uh, decision and a submission. He's coming off a couple of losses. Submission, uh, Marquez, second round. Sorry. Yeah, you know what, Matt? I'm going to go exactly with that. That's exactly what I'm going to go with. Except I'll go third. I don't want to be the exact same. So I'll go third. Awesome, bro. Um, wow. Gastelum Heinisch. Interesting, interesting fight. Um, wow. Wow. It is hard to bet against Ian Heinisch. I'm telling you right now, I watched him versus Shoeface the other day. Talk about a comeback. I know Shoeface, by the way, out of the UFC. So uh, is he? You no longer. Yep. No, I, I guess they had they had to make some. Uh, well, Jimmy, the shoe fits. Jimmy, so I love you so much, Jim. Jimmy. I'm sorry. Jimmy, Jimmy, Don't be sorry. Don't, let's just keep going. Okay. Don't even acknowledge. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm quick. Bang bang, Jimmy. I'm yes, gonna sir. I'm gonna take. I'm going to take Ian Heinish because I think this guy's on a man on a mission, even though Kelvin, yeah. I love Kelvin. I really do. But Ian has been through so much shit. He's like, no. yo, I'm just coming to wreck everyone. And he's just looking like a beast lately. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's coming mm. off that win at the, off, off of uh, Jared Mershot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, I just think this guy's trying to make a statement. I'm going to say uh, Ian Heinish by decision. Um. Yeah, Gastelum has lost three straight fights. <sighs> Does he lose four straight again? Maybe. Uh, let me see what Ian Heinish has done in his last couple. Because I'm probably going to take Heinish as well. 
Um, well, he had lost two at once, then he beat Mershart. Um, uh, I am going to take him by a third round stoppage. Listen, oh, that's that's very ballsy. Yeah, yep, this yep. this is very this is a great fight. Macy Barber, the return of Macy Barber, Alexa Grasso, yeah, three and one in the UFC. And Alexa Grasso, don't let that four and three UFC record fool you. She's a, she's a well rounded girl, very well rounded. <sighs> this is what I'm gonna say. I really like Macy Barber. This is a tough comeback fight for her. I think that um, I think I'm going to take Alexa Grasso. How well? How does Barbara respond to her first loss? Too. Um, everyone thought Mataferi was going to be, uh, you know, that uh, she was going to run through Roxanne Mataferi, and she did not. I am going to take uh, Macy Barber. Um, I'll take Macy Barber by decision. I'll take Grasso by decision, my friend. Okay. Now this is the Jimmy. That's the co-main. Jimmy, this is the main event now. Hold on, let me do the. That's such a weak fucking drum. No, no, it's okay. But I'm going to, this one, this one, this is really hard for me because I really, really, really think Kamara Usman is just such a a savage, you know, and and he's, and he's, and he's, he's classy, he's technical, but Gilbert Burns has been looking, I I feel like if this hits the floor, I feel it's going to be impossible for, I think, we're going to see something out of Gilbert where we're going to see nonstop attacking. I don't think he's, I don't think Kamara is going to be able to maybe hold him down. And especially for five rounds, I, Gilbert has been showing no sign of slowing down, but again, Kamara, I don't remember that guy even losing around lately at all. And look what he's done. This is so Jimmy. I'm, you go first. That's all I got to say. I am uh, again. Gilbert is such a powerful but I mean, when I look at, again, you look at some people that uh, Gilbert has beaten, very impressive, but Camaro has, has went through uh, Jorge, he went through Covington, he went through Woodley, uh, RDA, Damian Maya. It's really hard to bet against Kamara Usman, but he's had a lot of decisions. I don't think every fight's going to be a decision. I am taking Kamara Usman, fourth round stoppage. I'm taking the same thing, but for Gilbert. And that's okay. hard for me to do because I love Kamaro. I do too. But guys, but guys, we know what we always say. I have a family. I got to make picks. I'm going to say Gilbert Burns because in my heart, I'm a jiu-jitsu man. Yes, you are. You know what I'm saying, Jimmy? Yeah. I mean, if I had 1.2 million fucking followers, I'd be wearing Keds in a fucking handkerchief. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't give a fuck. I like him. I He's like great. him. He's a likable guy. He's a great guy. Yeah, and he really is uh, – that easy going and like he's just a funny guy and he's a he's a very funny actor too i've done a a, a show him and a comedian named christy stefano had many years ago um i forget what it was called but they, there was about a hockey team and uh, he's a really he's a solid actor jimmy you know that this is a packed card and we'll promote when exactly this is going on sure. right? you know the early the early prelims that that the headline in that is Ricky Simone versus Brian Kelleher i know that's the I early know. prelims and then the prelims what about that Pollyanna Vayana, it means no worries, is fighting Mallory Martin. Mallory Martin, but Bilal Muhammad, Diego Lima. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I love uh, Bilal Muhammad. Rodolfo Vieira against Anthony Hernandez, and then Jim Miller, Bobby Green is the main fight of the prelims. Crazy. I know what I love. You know what I love? Me. Yes. You know what else I love? Saturdays when there's fights on. 
I love, I it. love it, Jimmy. Good pay-per-view. I know what I'm doing this Saturday. I know what I'm doing too, Jimmy. I get a nice workout in. I've been attacking my wife like every night. Good. My libido is fucking nuts. I would hope so. And my wife, she, you know, should we have a good time? You're I'm, a stud. Like, you know why? I don't know why I said that because I looked to my right and that's my bed. Yep. My chest. Yeah. I'm sorry about that, Jimmy. We could always cut that out. So Man, anyway, Jimmy, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Yes. And uh, I had a blast. Me and you are both on Cameo and so is Chip. You're yep. not on the app. We know that. Nope. But you can go to Chip Chipperson's Twitter and I have a link tree up with all the links. So if you want to get a Cameo from Chip, go to Chip's Instagram or Twitter and all of the links are in there for everything Chip. I don't know what that is, but I want a link tree. I don't know. Nope. Listen to me, Jimmy. Jimmy. I love you, my little bird. Yeah, I love I you, pal. Talk to you soon. And everybody, the fights are this weekend. Proper plug, proper plug. Sorry. 10 p.m. Yes. Saturday night, the main car starts. The prelims are earlier. Uh, I believe the prelims. Hold on now, let daddy check. Yeah, it's prelims start early, prelims 6 15, prelims 8 p.m. Watch the whole night. It's going to be incredible. Thank you to Andrew Schultz. We will talk to you uh, soon. Bye, Jimmy. Goodbye, buddy. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.